shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome, my friend. Great to have you listening or watching or both. Yeah, that makes no sense. So great to have you listening to my podcast as an audio podcast. Not great to have you watching or... Hang on, I've confused myself now. You know what? Forget it. I don't even care anymore. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. <laughs> uh, and I'm all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channels and you join a community, right? These guys are amazing. In the comments, the live streams, whatever. Such a great group of people. We love each other. It's like a tribe, okay? So Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, and Orion Kelly podcasts, which you might be on right now watching this video podcast. Now, I want to talk about something that this T-shirt I'm wearing, and if you can't see it, if you're just listening, then I'll tell you I'm wearing a black T-shirt um, and it has like the battery icon with the one red bar left and next to it, 1%. So my t-shirt says 1% battery life left and that's symbolic of me and this podcast because we're going to explore the topic of autistic burnout. What it is, what causes it and strategies. Now listen up, to avoid it, yes, great, thanks, but what else? Strategies to navigate out of it. So it's one thing for me to go, hey, this is burnout and here's how you don't get it. What a load of rubbish. It's very hard to not get. I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to do the good stuff. I'm going to help you get out of it. All right, so let's start at the start. Autistic burnout is a state of mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion. It happens for autistic people when the demands and challenges of life, along with difficulties associated with being autistic, become overwhelming. Just, let's just keep in mind, and I say this a lot, and this because repetition helps. If you're diagnosed autistic, that means that you have daily support needs. Now, your support care needs may be different to others. Some may have significant or severe daily care and support needs. Others may have less significant or severe. I don't like the idea of high and low and like only because regardless, they're fluid. There's no use writing off one autistic person, right, and giving the other one too much credit. And in saying that too, let me just let's just fix this right right where it is. Okay, so someone goes, oh, you know, you're you're only mildly autistic, or you're you're high functioning autistic. Just quickly, so that's crap. And and, and this is a, a podcast I want to get to, so I'm just going to quickly say this as quickly as possible. And I've used the word quickly three times, yet it's making it longer. Damn you, autistic brain. Here's just so we're clear. Here's what medical people say. The if you're, if you're high-functioning autistic or if you're a high-functioning autistic person, here's what that means. In an IQ score, you got over 70. In fact, I think it's 60 now. Yeah. Oh, that's really high-functioning, yeah? So your IQ is around, you know, around the 70 and up mark, maybe slightly lower. Yeah. And here's the other one they tick off. Oh, no, you can speak. Okay, so I can speak... 
and I have an IQ over 70, right? Those two things, in contrast to all the challenges, or medical people would say, all the deficits they found I have that gave me a diagnosis, those two things change the name of the diagnosis. That's it. So all the other stuff is, is, is challenging and, and, and is the threshold of diagnosis. So next time, think before you say, you know, that person's just mildly autistic or they're high-functioning. Yeah, so that's, what, that's a low bar, mate. The point is we all have daily support and care needs as autistic people as per a diagnosis or we wouldn't have reached the threshold. So autistic burnout can occur when someone's been pushing themselves, I guess, a couple of ways, too hard and too long. So pushing themselves too far for too long, extended periods of time. And why are they doing this? Are they nuts? Do they want to burn out? How, like, you know, people are going to go, are you stupid? Why would you do that to yourself if you know you're going to burn out? I'll tell you why. It's to meet the expectations and demands of a neurotypical world. It's to meet societal expectations and demands placed upon us to be neurotypical in a neurotypical world. Hence why we burn out a lot. Did I just say the word hence? What have I become? Now, it can happen in a variety of ways, okay? So let's look at it. What would usually trigger autistic burnout? And we're talking about the environments. Okay, so for kids, school, obviously. School is an entire day of masking, right, while being overloaded sensory, being restricted potentially from doing repetitive and restrictive behaviours that help them regulate and, and learn, right? So that's, that's the first one. So let's... Let's change the age. You're an adult. Okay, work or social interactions, sensory environments, family. Constantly pushing ourselves to meet these expectations without clearly enough support or understanding. Really, there's no care and support needs given, right, or or even acknowledged in these situations is going to lead to burnout. But it doesn't just go straight to burnout. So these situations, let's look at it like this, right? It's a, it, it compounds. So it happened, let's say you have a bad day at work or at school, you may have a meltdown when you get home or a meltdown at school or work or a shutdown. Now, they add up as these continue to happen. Like I said, if you keep pushing yourself, knowing I had a meltdown at school today, I had a meltdown at work today, autistic meltdown or whatever, I'm going to go back tomorrow like nothing happened, right? You're pushing yourself too far for too long. That will compound and you will reach autistic burnout. So you, why, why, why would you do that to yourself? And have we just answered, is it really a choice? Now, it can, you can experience things like increased stress, anxiety, and sensory overload. So what I'm saying is when you reach the point of burnout, it's not like you've just reached the point where you just, you just can't do anything. You've reached the point where the suffering is also amped up. Increased stress, anxiety, overload. You may struggle to cope with everyday tasks and responsibilities and your ability to simply function may and probably will decline. And this is all about your capacities. So let's move on to causes because I really do want to get to the strategies because I'm going to give you strategies to help you not get to autistic burnout, but also more realistically, I'm going to give you strategies to hopefully navigate out of it. So some examples I guess we're talking about situations, experiences that contribute to autistic burnout. 
So do you push yourself to attend stuff you know is going to overwhelm you from a sensory point of view? Do you go to noisy, crowded, overwhelming social events? This could just be honestly in the workplace or at social gatherings or hobbies or, or I don't know, um, recreation, whatever you want to call that stuff. Like, do you do that regularly? Do you have like a weekly thing you do and you don't, and every time you, if you feel like take your days to recover from it, but you do it because you feel like you have to or you should or, or, or you know, you're pressured. Okay, well, attending that kind of stuff, what, what do you think's going to happen? Trying to maintain a consistent routine while dealing with unexpected changes, another cause. Okay, so as an autistic person, you rely on routine, structure, sameness, predictability. But if you're dealing with unexpected changes over time, this is going to eat away, right? And it, it is going to end up being burnout. And now why? It's not a tantrum or a reaction. It's the fact you've been starved of these things you've used to keep you regulated and to keep you how, how else would you say it? Would you say to keep you at a level where you're able to just slip under the radar of people trying to judge you? I mean, it's not even a big bar, is it? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Having to mask or camouflage autistic traits for long periods of time to fit in socially is another cause. So masking in general will lead to meltdowns and shutdowns, which over a period of time will compound to burnout. But there's more a specific type of masking. That is the idea that you just want to be a chameleon, right? You, you want to fit in. You want to change your colours to match those of the people around you. That usually for autistic people means lowering your colours. Either way, you want to keep being accepted socially in a way where you know you're not actually getting accepted anyway because they're accepting you for not being you. <laughs> yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to many things. Burnout is a big one. Hopefully, if you can hear these causes, light bulbs will go off and you go, all oh, right, these are the things I actually do push myself to do. No wonder I'm always having these meltdowns, shutdowns. No wonder I feel so exhausted. You may well be in a triggered burnout. Burnouts aren't one size fits all. You don't trigger a burnout that goes for five minutes. Burnouts can go for days, weeks, months. Some people can be in burnout for longer than months, a year, years. There is, I've already lost my spot, but I'm just going to quickly come to say this. There is this growing theory that late diagnosed autistic people have what they call of they call like a middle-aged autistic burnout. And that, and this could be diagnosed as well as kids. That is because you reach this kind of middle-aged point in your life, and it doesn't have to be middle-aged. Let's just say it's that kind of, I don't know, what would you call it, the 40s period, right? The 30s, 40s period. Though middle-aged for an autistic person, given the life expectancy, is is probably, I don't know high 20s, low 30s. Anyway, there's this philosophy that doing all these things, all these causes, right, doing all these things we're going to talk about, and, but more basically just masking and suppressing, camouflaging. By the time you're at middle age, you, you experience autistic burnout and, and it can go, it can feel like it's never going to go away. Like I felt like this for a year, two years, whatever. And you, you, the theory is that's because of the first half of your life and all the things you've had to put in place to do to try and somehow fit in. And it can be debilitating. So there's, that's a growing body uh, of, I guess, thesis, theory, you know, whatever. Overwhelming academic or work demands without appropriate supports, they're going to cause autistic burnout. You might go, well, everyone has that. You're probably right. School or work providing you with appropriate supports for your neurodivergent brain, not very common. 
So you can whinge about that or you can continue to advocate for the needs that work for you on the premise that it's going to help you, you're going to be more productive. It's a win-win. These are causes. These are situations and experiences that can contribute to autistic burnout. Dealing with sensory overload on a regular basis. Do you put yourself through scenarios where you're in areas of bright lights or the lights that just don't work for you? Strong smells, loud sounds. Why? Why are you doing this? Is it your workplace? Is it your school? Is it the way you get to work or school? Is it where you live? You don't have control of certain things. Again, I'm not giving you answers. I'm just giving you examples of how you've probably triggered autistic burnout. Navigating complex social interactions and understanding unwritten social rules. How hard is that as an autistic person? Are these, we, the, you know, unwritten rules are also referred to, I guess, as conventions. The bottom line is if it isn't brought to your attention or it's not written down in some kind of plain English way that you, or you know, plain language, whatever what, what language you speak, that you can go, oh, okay, this is how it works. If you haven't got the rules of the game, but everyone just knows the rules of the game, but they're not classed as the rules of the game, they're just classed as like unwritten rules that everyone has, has to follow, but no one's telling them about it. Can you, I mean, it already sounds ridiculous. So that's going to be a massive cause. And that's a daily thing, like just navigating through the social interactions, conversations, nonverbal cues, signals, signs. Man, sheepers. Constantly trying to interpret nonverbal cues and facial expressions. That's another cause linked to social interactions, right? Like we talked about, if you're, if you're going into these situations and you are constantly working to go, what does that face mean? What is that face? What are they trying to convey? What do I think they're trying to convey and how do I convey that back? Did I get it? And this is, this is linked to many different conditions and issues for autistic people. Another big cause. Coping with transitions between different activities or environments. Transitions for autistic people are very hard. I don't care if you're a kid or an adult. You know, because transitioning from one thing to the other will usually mean in, in, in most instances for autistic people, you're transitioning away from something you want to do. That's why you're doing it. And you have to transition to something else. So, you know, whether it's getting your kids um, ready for school or getting them to go from playing to having a meal or adults going from your special interest to work or your special interest to a meal or other things can be really challenging. And having to go through that on a daily basis adds up. Facing a high-pressure and fast-paced work or school environment. Now, if, I don't care if you're in a workplace and you go, oh, yeah, my workplace is really stressed. I'm saying, like, I, you know, I've got a nine-year-old autistic son. You don't think his school environment is fast-paced or high-pressure for him? Of course it is. It adds up. Managing sensory sensitivities while in crowded public transportation. That just, just doesn't need, need to be talked about. Obviously. Coping with sensory overload in environments with things like flickering lights, fluorescent lights. These things are a lot of times unavoidable, right? You, sometimes just you've got to go to that place, that, that office, that doctor, that shop, whatever. This is going to add up. Balancing personal responsibilities and expectations in relationships. You don't need a partner, by the way. This could be with your family your friends, your workmates, whoever, colleagues, whatever you want to call them. Because you've got responsibilities. You're, you've got personal responsibilities and expectations placed upon you 
by others in the relationships you're in, work, family, you know, romantic, platonic, friendship, school, whatever. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? You've got to balance your own needs and self-care with the expectations placed upon you and the responsibilities you have as a person in the real world. And you can't escape them, by the way. This just comes down to an understanding of balancing them, and that's hard. Dealing with sensory sensitivities to things like textures, tastes, clothing on a daily basis, isn't it? Like, I just wish it was a uniform for life. I don't, actually, I don't because I like wearing clothes, but do you know what I mean? It's the idea. Yeah, it's tricky. It's experiencing heightened anxiety or stress due to uncertainty or unexpected changes. Definitely. Constantly adapting to new environments or unfamiliar social situations. Well, this is a common challenge for autistic people. We have safe places, safe people. Handling intense pressure to conform to societal expectations and norms. A trigger, a cause for autistic burnout. Because when you think about it, to an autistic brain, it is an intense pressure. You must be like us. We are like this. We behave like this. And that's why you hear people go, why can't you sit normally? Why can't you eat normally? Why can't you do the way everyone else does it? Why can't you talk? You, know, you hear that kind of stuff. These are norms and expectations and the pressure is constant. Coping with bullying. Did I say coping? Coping with bullying, discrimination or social exclusion. Can you imagine how on a daily basis this adds up in compounds from you know, mere meltdowns and shutdowns to actually autistic burnout? Managing the demands of multitasking and organising multiple tasks or projects. This is an executive function skill. Executive function is a, is a set of cognitive skills and autism is, an, is a neurodevelopmental condition, meaning developmental is something that is part of developing skills, cognitive skills, right? It goes hand in hand. Struggling to communicate effectively, especially during misunderstandings or conflicts. This is my life. I don't know. I'm an autistic person. I feel like every conversation I have, even with people that know me really well and I love, still half the time it's mis- – no, more than half – it's misunderstood. It's taken the wrong way. There's like these conflicts. I don't even know how it would happen. And the last one I want to do before I give you some uh, experiences is dealing with the cumulative effect of prolonged periods of stress and overload without sufficient recovery time. Bottom line is, guys, if you don't give yourself enough recovery time, which is alone time, special interest time, rest, whatever, to recharge, I'm a 1%, you can see on the T-shirt, to recharge, to stay regulated, it's going to happen. All right, so what I've got here, I've got... Strategies for avoiding and strategies for navigating out of. But first, let's just talk about experiences, okay? Now, clearly experiences, when I say, sorry, let me start that again. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm saying, let me just reiterate. I mean, let's talk about how autistic burnout feels. What's the experience like? But of course, it varies from person to person. Every autistic person is different. Right, the intensity and duration of autistic burnout differs as well. So I'm just going to give you some examples of how an autistic person experiences autistic burnout in general terms. Feeling mentally and physically exhausted even after getting enough sleep. And that's, that's a feeling of autistic burnout. No matter how long you rest and sleep for, you still feel exhausted all the time. Great feeling of autistic burnout. Difficulty concentrating or staying focused on tasks. 
Again, this can be things you want to do and you like. You know you're in, you know you're in a period of autistic burnout if there's not even an ability to concentrate, focus or motivate yourself on things you want to do. This is where people start to chime in, by the way, and say, hang on, you mean depression, right? Now, depression, clinical depression, so a diagnosable form of depression and autistic burnout are two different things. Do they feel the same to certain degrees? Probably. Probably. Do they sound the same? Maybe. But there are clear differences, clinical diagnosable differences. I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist or whoever. If you've come to me for that, you've come to the wrong person. Number one, I'm not even legally legally able to, to provide you that kind of advice. I don't know the difference. Go and see a doctor and tell, get them to tell you the difference. I'm talking about autistic burnout. Okay, another experience of what it feels like. So you're experiencing heightened sensory sensitivity. So already as an autistic person, you have sensory sensitivities. Now that might mean hyper or hyper, you know, it might mean like an over-experience, under-experience. Either way, that's, that's a stock standard experience. But now we're talking about heightened sensory sensitivity. So I'm saying heightened on the heightened. So you're going to become overwhelmed by things that may trigger you, but now it's going to take less to trigger you because you're further heightened. The spidey senses have grown. Sounds, lights, textures, smells, it all, it's all worse than it usually is. Feeling emotionally overwhelmed, increased anxiety, irritability, meltdowns. That's the other thing. If you are in autistic burnout, that's because you've had you know, experiences of meltdowns and shutdowns and they've compounded. It doesn't mean you still won't have meltdowns and shutdowns. No, as an autistic person, when I'm in a period of autistic burnout, I have more meltdowns and shutdowns. I have a less an ability to regulate myself. That's the thing. People always think it's like they all live in a vacuum or something. No, they don't. And plus, a vacuum would be really dusty and dirty because it sucked up all the stuff off your... What's that? Oh, different vacuum. I was wondering why people would want to live in such a filthy implement. <laughs> yeah, I'm way more agitated and irritable in periods of burnout. There's no question about that. Though, you know, I mean, I might as well just say, uh, hi, I'm Orion and I'm agitated and irritable. <laughs> yeah. Agitated and irritable are my middle names. Oh, mine's Jeff. Good to meet you. And cut. No, I'm not cutting. I don't cut these. Just move on. A struggling to process information or experiencing cognitive overload. Big one. Okay, that kind of like, you know, your brain's constantly foggy or just can't keep up. It's just, it's just yeah, it's like defragging. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Great experience of autistic burnout. Finding it challenging to communicate effectively or experiencing difficulty finding words. So when you're in autistic burnout, and I, I definitely have this. I, I, I can't make content most of the time. And if I do, I've got, to, I've got to make it much less. So in other words, if I'm in a period of autistic burnout, and this happens not, not dysregularly, um, you know, I might get one bit of content a week because it'll take me easily three times longer than normal to do it because I, I can't speak. <laughs> and that's the best way I can describe it. You just find talking, communicating, everything seems like it's struggling to come out. So a lot of times I'll just go oh, stuff it. I'm, not I'm just not going to talk. I'm just going to go quiet for a while. And it's quite nice to be honest with you. Finding it challenging to communicate effectively or experiencing difficulty finding words, that's the sentence I just read. And you think this isn't real. 
<laughs> See? Oh, man. Can we please move on? Just pretend that wasn't there. Just pre- You edited out mentally. Losing... <laughs> Losing interest or motivation in previously enjoyed activities or hobbies. We've talked about this. This happens, guys. If you're on autistic burnout, you know you are when you don't want to do the stuff you want to do. Experiencing physical symptoms is a new one you might not have heard of. For me, it's gut stuff, right? Because the gut-brain connection is real and strong. If, you know, if my mental health isn't great, my gut's not great. Headaches, stomach aches, muscle tension's a big one. Right, this is all due to that stress you experience. Withdrawing from social interactions and preferring solitude to conserve your energy. So I get we don't look out for those things, but in autistic burnout, you withdraw from pretty much everything. You go to your fortress of solitude right, to recover. You just do. Feeling a loss of executive functioning skills, your planning, organizing, problem solving goes out the window. So the level you're at already wasn't great, but now it's it becomes virtually non-existent. You just struggle with any kind of planning, organizing, right? The kind of things that you would hope you could do on a daily basis can't be done. Experiencing difficulties with decision-making or feeling paralyzed by your choices. Wow. Yeah. That's a big experience of burnout. Experiencing a decline in self-care practices or neglecting personal hygiene. As autistic people, this is already a tricky situation. You know, you can, you're doing the things you want to do. It's like, well, I don't even realize I've got a toilet or I haven't had any drink or food and I don't really care. In autistic burnout, it just goes downhill. Have I showered today? Uh, oh, I mean, I have. I'm, I'm saying you might be asking yourself, have I showered today? No, I don't think I've showered this week, to be honest with you. I just can't do it. I just can't be stuff thinking about what do you got to do, all the self-care stuff. Like, oh, I've got to eat this and drink this and clean this and blah. Like it's just so overwhelming. Feeling a sense of overwhelm from constant change and unexpected disruptions. Yep. So they're hard already. But now they overwhelm you in a, in a sense where people think you're just catastrophizing. Becoming hyper-focused on a particular topic or interest in a way to escape or cope with burnout. So during autistic burnout, you might find you can't even do the things you want to do. Yet, you may stumble onto something, a new passion or interest that just kind of sparks a new interest. And you just zero in on that. And in doing that, you're finding it actually helps you. And that's actually, I guess that's a strategy, yeah? Experiencing a decrease in tolerance for change or an increased need for routine and predictability. Definitely. These are experiences of how an autistic person may experience autistic burnout. In other words, these are examples of what autistic burnout can feel like. Feeling a lack of motivation or experiencing a sense of brain fog. Yep. Experiencing heightened sensitivity to social interactions, specifically perceived criticism or rejection at a more intense level than normal. Autistic people are going to have a filter where almost any interaction will be perceived as criticism, rejection, negative, not because there's anything wrong with us, but when you think about it, if your whole life you haven't been accepted, you've been rejected, it's not going to take long for your perception to become your reality. 
And this becomes even worse, right? Uh, So you, you, you feel like no matter what conversation you're having with anyone, it just seems like they're criticizing you. They're, they're, they're rejecting you or, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's tricky to navigate. Struggling to meet expectations at work, school and in, in personal relationships, another example. Feeling a sense of disconnect or detachment from yourself or the world around you. Think about that. During periods of autistic burnout or even as an autistic person, do you already feel detached from yourself and from the world. I mean, I do all the time. It's like, you know, when I've had jobs in workplaces, that doesn't happen anymore, but I've had jobs in workplaces and I've liked those workplaces and I've liked those jobs. I still, for some reason, couldn't work out why I never felt attached as in part of it in the way that other people did. And I've never experienced a feeling too with myself that I was directly attached to me as a person. I know that sounds strange, but anyway. It becomes even worse during periods of autistic burnout. Added to that, you know, your sense of hopelessness, despair, feeling depressed, that's definitely a big one. You experience that 100% as a result of this kind of chronic burnout. You can feel overwhelmed by daily tasks and responsibilities that neurotypical individuals may find more manageable. You might experience difficulties of time management. You might feel more pressured by deadlines. And deadlines don't have to be like hard deadlines, any deadline. Any looming deadline might be too much for you. You might struggle to process and filter out background noise or distractions. It leads to cognitive overload. You might find it challenging to initiate or sustain conversations. You become socially exhausted through autistic burnout. Feeling a sense of sensory overload from unexpected or intense sensory stimuli, another one. You might experience heightened anxiety. You may, I've, I've experienced them. You may have panic attacks due to the ongoing stress from burnout. Physically drained is another feeling you may experience with autistic burnout. It, it, it's like you're experiencing this kind of chronic fatigue, a fatigue that doesn't seem to wane or go away or get better. Experiencing Difficulties with sleep patterns. So we're talking about all the other, all the, the, you know, the ones you know about. Insomnia, disturbed sleep, all that kind of stuff. Sleeping seems harder, but you need more of it. And that, that might mean your sleep isn't good. You sleep, but it's not good. And then you wonder why you're still tired. Finding it challenging to adapt or change to routines and environments that are new or different, that's going to be even trickier. Potentially impossible if you're experiencing autistic burnout. Feeling a sense of frustration or resentment due to the constant effort of masking or camouflaging. In other words, when you're going through periods of autistic burnout, not only do you not have the energy or strength to kind of camouflage or mask to kind of fit in like you would normally, but you actually hate the idea that you have to do this to kind of thrive in in this world. And this is what happens when you do it. So will you become burnt out? And then you hate the fact that's what does it to you, but then you realize you might still have to do it, but you, you can't. Or you, so, yeah, it's, I know it sounds like a, a vicious cycle, but it's true. You, in the periods of autistic burnout, you can become quite defiant. You might experience difficulties with sensory regulation. You might feel overwhelmed by particular things, right, during burnout. So things that not are always high triggers might get you. It might be the textures of, of, or feelings or smells, tastes, and they lead to you avoiding those things or avoiding behaviours. 
right? The, the way you dress might change or eat, these types of things. You might just avoid eating or, or dressing to a certain degree. Put some clothes on, for goodness sakes. Struggling with transitions between tasks or activities, resulting in heightened, heightened stress and anxiety. Feeling emotionally drained and experiencing difficulties in managing and expressing emotions effectively. Another experience of autistic burnout, heightened sensitivity to criticism, negative feedback. What does that do? Not only is it heightened, but that actually contributes to an ongoing autistic burnout. You might find it challenging to navigate social expectations, norms, the types of things that are placed upon us to be normal. What does that do? Well, you feel more isolated, you feel more lonely, and you feel more burnt out. You might experience difficulties in maintaining self-advocacy, so sticking up for yourself, asking for things that you need, setting boundaries, saying no. That results in more stress, more burnout. You might feel a sense of pressure to conform to the societal expectations about masking your autistic traits. Exhaustion. Experience difficulties in processing and understanding abstract or ambiguous information. That's mentally taxing, by the way. Autistic people trying to understand abstract concepts, ambiguous information, un unsaid or written things. It becomes even harder to understand and process these things. And that takes even more cognitive load. It's bloody horrible. You might struggle with the types of things that you, you usually don't find hard. Now, I'm going to get to some strategies. The last thing I'll say is, and this is an interesting one, autistic burnout can feel like you have this constant vigilance or hypervigilance in social situations. What do you think about that one? That would be seriously mentally and emotionally draining. There's no question about that. All right. So let's go with some, for starters, let's, let's start with an idea. In an ideal world, don't get it. How do you avoid it? Some strategies that you can use as an autistic person to help you avoid autistic burnout. The first one is obvious. Practice self-care. Self-care regularly. Activities that promote relaxation. I don't know what they are for you. I honestly reckon walks are great. People, don't, people under, undervalue walking. Walking, in fact, the act of walking, I believe, regularly, and even like recent scientific research has found, it's actually amazing for uh, your, your cognitive health and your physical health and actually, in fact, your whole well-being. So and I get that not all, people, not all people can walk or want to walk, but if you can, get out in the fresh air. I don't care what time of year it is and some sort of walk, it will help. I don't know. What hobbies do you like? What things do you like to do? Hobbies aren't the right word. You know what I'm saying. The things you like to do. Can you do any kind of mindfulness? I'm not saying, you know, like high-end meditation stuff. I mean, I mean just being, just being. So, for example, if you decide to eat something today, can you just eat the thing? Do you have to do seven things while you eat the thing? In doing that, you're providing your body a rest to just be present. Another strategy to avoid autistic burnout is establish and maintain a consistent routine. Why? Well, you know, it provides stability and predictability. Set realistic expectations and prioritize tasks to avoid becoming overwhelmed by excessive demands. This is a big one. You've got to have realistic expectations as an autistic person, and they're going to be unrealistic to neurotypical people. 
You've got to know what is, is you and your limits and say no and have boundaries and expectations. And also if there's things you need to get done, you, the, it will become so overwhelming you'll go, I can't do any of them. And that's unhealthy for anyone and you will burn out. So you need to come up with a way of you know, prioritizing them. And that's something you might need help with, support from your friends, your family, your partner, but it's important. Communicate your needs. Communicate your boundaries clearly with others. Clearly with others means you communicate them in a way you know is clear and then you make sure they have understood what you're trying to communicate. So many people say, oh, I told them exactly what to do seven times. I still got it wrong. How stupid are they, right? That's what people say. Well, no, you're, you're the idiot. I don't care if you did it seven times. Did you, did you make sure seven times that they got exactly what you said and what you need from them? Oh, you didn't? Okay, cool. Then you made the mistake. You just got to advocate, guys. You got to advocate for the accommodations, the adjustments, the supports you need when appropriate and necessary. More strategies to avoid autistic burnout. You've got to take regular breaks throughout the day. I know you don't want to sometimes. You want to just keep pushing through on the things you like and you give yourself these deadlines and timeframes. You've got to take breaks for you to recharge. Why? It prevents sensory and mental overload. You are not a machine. By the way, these, these strategies to avoid and navigate out of aren't to make you feel nice about yourself. They're to help you. So if some of them you think, oh, He's saying I don't do stuff. Yeah, that's right, mate. Or you wouldn't be watching this. You need to develop a strong support network. That means, doesn't have to be big, you're safe people. People that you trust, people that understand you. It could be friends, family. It could be support workers. I'm not sure who, partners. I don't know who it'll be, but it'll, there will be people. You need to use these people more for emotional support and understanding. And I know that's hard. Asking for help is hard for autistic people. You need to create a sensory-friendly environment at home or work, including adjustments that, for things that you know work for you. Does it mean the lighting, the sound, the use of sensory tools? Or as people that aren't neurodivergent like to say, fidget toys. Practice effective Stress management techniques, guys. Have you tried deep breathing ever? If you ever feel like you're getting overwhelmed or your body seems like it's erasing, I can tell you right now one of the main biohacks for stress is deep breathing. It, for, it literally resets the stress. Deep breathing is not hard to do. In fact, everyone arguably has to breathe or you'll die so don't look at me like, oh, deep breathing exercises. That's going to be horrible. You're breathing already. Just do it slower and deeper. <clears throat> in for three or in for six. Minus six. In, breathe in for six seconds. So slowly breathe in for six seconds. Then hold it for six seconds. Then slowly breathe out for six seconds. Do that repeatedly. Other times, if you want to really biohack, do it quick. <sighs> right? I'm just saying. You're already breathing. I don't know. Muscle relaxation. Do activities you like, guys. Whatever, whatever helps you feel less stressed, do that. You've, you've got to do it regularly, not once every 10 years and go, oh, I've done my bit. These are ways to avoid autistic burnout. 
Engage in regular physical exercise to promote overall well-being and reduce stress levels. Again, people go, oh, man, whatever. No, it doesn't have to be. Like physical exercise is, is anything you're doing when you're moving your body. So it's possible. Learn and utilize sensory regulation techniques. Do you have any of those? Like do you like grounding exercises or is there a particular type of food you like to eat? from a sensory point of view that helps you? Do you like deep pressure massage or hugs or I don't know, what, what are your kind of relaxation techniques? You know, these are the kind of things you need to use. Identify and limit exposure to triggers that contribute to sensory overload or stress. Delegate tasks or seek assistance when you feel overwhelmed by your responsibilities. Yeah, you can do that, believe it or not. Practice effective time management strategies. So I'm not saying invent the wheel that you don't even understand. I'm saying you got a task? Okay. Break the task up into smaller, easier steps. That's called time management and effective management techniques. Got a task? Great. Break it up, mate. That's it. Break it up into smaller, manageable steps. How? Oh, I don't know. Use reminders, schedules. Plan it out, write it down, whatever. You see what I'm saying? Your special interests are important. Uh, this is not much, not much to say about this. Do your special interests. I know you've got to push yourself, but these things you're passionate about, if you can engage in them, you're going to get fulfillment and hopefully you'll avoid meltdown, shutdown, burnout. You have to prioritise your sleep. You have to establish a good quality bedtime routine, what some would refer to as sleep hygiene. It has to be a relaxing bedtime routine. You have to ensure you get adequate rest. I'm not going to give you the hours because everyone's different, you know, like this is a medical thing. But if, if you know what, what hours you need a night to feel good and function well, then you, you can't starve yourself of that. You can't rob Peter to pay Paul by saying, oh, I'm just going to stay a bit later, I'll be fine. And sleep hygiene is important. You've got to practice effective communication strategies. What works for you? Do you text or email? Instead of forcing to call, right, and do these things, text, email, however it works. I don't know. What, what do you like? Do you like social scripts? Do you like using visual things? Do you, like, do you find verbal communication challenging? Or do you just like to communicate by talking? I don't want to text you or write. I'm just going to record a message, right, and I'll send it through. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever works. Take time for sensory breaks. So engage in activities that help you regulate sensory input. I like going outside. You might like going outside, going in, you know, in the bush, in nature, the coast, the ocean, the, you know, if you're in Chicago, you, the beach, which is just a bloody lake. <laughs> uh, I've lost it. Uh, you build a toolkit. Of coping strategies that work for you. So, you know, you've just talk, helped me talk about some things. What, what's the stimming stuff? What's the, what's the relax, relaxation stuff? What's the creative stuff? Put that in your toolkit and you know, my nine-year-old son has one at school. Things filled with things or ideas that he knows will help him feel better in situations where he thinks he's getting dysregulated or overwhelmed. Advocate for yourself. So this is, remember, you're not in burnout. I'm not telling you to do this in burnout. I'm saying to avoid burnout. 
if you properly advocate for your needs, advocate for yourself by being open and honest with people. In other words, you're educating them, but in, in, in a normal kind of conversational way about you and your needs. What will you, you think is reasonable? The accommodations that would help you, that would foster a more supportive environment for you. Do that. You've got to practice effective boundary setting. You've got to learn to say no. Like I told you guys in a live stream a while back, I've decided when it comes to these like outside my content creation stuff, like people go, oh, can you host this or MC this or whatever? It's like, well, my, my new answer is no. That's my boundary. Isn't, I've never had an experience that hasn't been bad on my mental health. And maybe that's because I'm just bad at it. I don't know. But that's, you know, you have to be able to say no. You have to limit commitments and obligations. You have an autistic brain. It's as simple as that. Are there assistive technologies you can use? Apps? Actual tools? You know, the sensory stuff? This is where I hate giving examples because I find it so patronising. Like people always go, oh, you should wear noise-cancelling headphones or use a reminder app. It's like, really? No, just use the toolkit that works for you, mate. Build it. Engage in regular sensory breaks throughout the day that incorporate soothing sensory inputs that allow for sensory regulation. Identify and communicate your specific sensory needs to others. So you're helping people understand how they can help you, right? The, the sensory stuff that triggers you. I, I don't understand why this is so hard. You've got to take regular mental health breaks. Huh? As an autistic person, I know when I say you've got to take regular breaks, you're like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I get it. This idea you go to work and people have like regular breaks. There's even like unions that make sure they get their regular breaks. Like, I don't, what do I just want to do my job and go home, man. Like, I didn't come in to have a picnic. What do you mean I've, I've got to go on my seventh break for the day? What, because you told me I have to? Well, anyway, I get it. But mental breaks are important because they're for, for you, your health. They, they are for the most important part of an autistic person. That is their brain. Take mental breaks, guys. Give yourself time to turn off, relax, recharge. Just do stuff that makes you laugh or brings you joy, reduces your stress. It doesn't have to be for long. You've got to prioritise and allocate time for self-reflection and self-awareness as well. Why? This isn't like, you know, don't get, all, don't get all like, you know, hippie on me here. I'm just saying time where you can actually think about you. What are your needs? What are your triggers? What are your limits? What are your yeses and nos? This is how you avoid autistic burnout, guys. Practice effective communication with others. You just got to be open and honest. I know this. I, I, I've, I've said this a couple of times. So I wanted to sink in. Autistic people lie to people uh, about their needs, and you think, well, autistic, autistic people are honest and open, right? They don't lie. No, that's not true. What I mean is, you might go, "Oh, is this bothering you?" And you think, "Well, they're just going to be open and honest." But if we're masking, why would it be? We're masking. We're trying to fit in. Oh, that's fine. Inside, I'm being triggered. Don't do that. Do you want to avoid autistic burnout or not? A couple more, then I've got strategies to navigate it if you're in it. And I know there's a lot of people that are. Okay, so this one, to avoid it. You've got to try and incorporate sensory-friendly modifications into your life. Is it softer lighting? 
Is it different seating, more comfortable seating or seating that moves or swivels or whatever? Can you find or create safe places, quiet places, your fortress of solitude, these types of things? And the final one is, yes, you can actually find good quality professionals to help you. They're hard to find, but they exist. I see a psychologist, therapist, every month or so. It's really important for me and it helps. You might be a therapist or a counsellor. It might be someone who specialises in providing you with the strategies and the tools and the therapies that help you live your best life as an autistic person. That's something you really got to lean into. Okay, now here's the good stuff. You, my friend, are an autistic person currently experiencing autistic burnout. How do you get out of it? Well, there's no right and wrong answer, but I'm going to do my best to give you some some reasons, okay? Okay, so you're, you're, you're currently in burnout. It's much harder to get to you and reach you, so here's what I'm going to say. Can you allow yourself the slightest little break? Can you allow yourself to take any kind of break and rest? Can you allow yourself to say you're not being lazy, you're just taking a break because you need to? Can you prioritise your self-care? Can you give yourself permission to just focus on you and your well-being? I'm asking these questions because I know it's hard. Gradually reintroduce activities and responsibilities, starting with small, manageable tasks, right? Gradually increasing your level of engagement. See, when you're, on, when you're in burnout, these types of things can be overwhelming. If you can gradually increase them bit by bit, you gain confidence. Your stress levels go down. It becomes easier to navigate your way out of autistic burnout. Okay, so you're in autistic burnout. Why are you talking to your people, your safe people, your friend, your partner, a family member, your therapist, counsellor, whoever? Why aren't you asking them for help? Why aren't you getting them to help you navigate out of it through the recovery process? I know, it's, I know you feel isolated and lonely, and you think you'd be judged, but there are safe people and you really have to try and, and, and engage in that. Now let's take this in a more basic point of view because I know autistic people in burnout aren't great with suggestions, but t- let's talk about mindfulness and relaxation. Like I said, I'm not making you do some high-end hippie stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's fantastic, but I'm saying you might think, oh, it's too hard for me, right? You have to breathe anyway, mate. Can you just take the time to breathe in deep, peaceful, relaxing ways. Give yourself a time to try and biohack your body, right? Can you do any kind of meditation? Meditation means, by the way, as a starting point, just sitting somewhere and not doing anything else but just being. Can you? I know it's hard, just, but you know what? It's almost like you're cleaning out your brain. You sit down, nothing else is going on, you're just being, and you realise, whoa, all these thoughts popping out. That's good. Let them. It's not about stopping them or suppressing them. Just you've got, to, you've got to reduce stress. You've got to promote mental well-being. It's simple as that. Those activities that make you happy, they light you up, they bring you joy, fulfillment, you've got to do it. You, just, you want to navigate out of burnout, you've got, to, you've got to use the things you know help you. They will slowly bring you back bit by bit. Don't underestimate outside, nature, fresh air, 
could be windy places, the sound of the wind. It could be the beach, right? It doesn't matter where it is. Create a structured routine. So I'm saying you have a plan in the routine regularly, but I'm saying during burnout, I want you to create one that actually balances rest and predictability and balances productivity. So that means it's predictable that you're going to do stuff and you're not going to do stuff and it's balanced. Helps, right? You've got to set realistic and achievable goals. They're different, by the way, to goals when you're not in burnout. So you know your expectations. You're giving yourself permission to do less and you know you're going to be less productive, but you're going to be more productive because you've actually set realistic and achievable goals. You've broken things down into smaller steps because you will then be less likely to become overwhelmed, which just continues the the spiral into burnout. Self-compassion. Oh, no, Orion, I can't do that. I'm saying, can you practice self-compassion? Can you try to avoid self-judgment for two minutes? No, you can't. I get it. Burnout's not a personal failure, mate, okay? You haven't failed in burnout. It's a natural response, right, by an autistic brain. It's, it is. It's a natural response from an autistic brain. Seek out sensory-friendly environments. Seek out sensory-friendly activities. The things that help you, they promote this kind of regulation, this kind of calming thing. You have these things that you like to do that somehow they feel good or they calm you, right? And there's a sensory component to it. Practice assertive skills to communicate your needs, boundaries, and limitations. So you're burnt out. You can't mask. You're sick of the crap. You're probably ready to be assertive. Okay, great. Be assertive in communicating your needs, your boundaries, your limitations. How's that toolkit going, by the way, that I got you to build? I asked you to build to avoid it. I hope you did that because you're in burnout now and you need it. So I need you to use that toolkit, that, that kit of strategies, stimming, stimming tools and, and other things that you know work for you. Have you ever thought of putting down your feelings? So journaling, writing, recording, just saying it to the trees why well because it helps you process and reflect on your experiences engage in physical exercise move your body why anyone can move some parts of their bodies it helps release tension it just does guys and what by the way what happens when you move your body as a rule it increases your endorphin levels it's a natural stress release Gradually reintroduce social interaction at a pace that you feel comfortable with. So you've got boundaries, you take breaks, but you're gradually getting back into it. These are ways of navigating out of autistic burnout. Look into that professional support that we've talked about. Because this is a more specific thing now. Now you're actually asking for, for professionals you trust to help you devise ways or provide suggestions to get better, to feel better. So that's actually a solution. That's a problem they can try and solve. Engage in activities that promote emotional well-being. What do you mean? Could you practice gratitude? I know this is hard. It's, it sounds a bit, you know, idealistic, but it actually works. Like if, could you, when you wake up in the morning, could you just force yourself to think of three things you're grateful for? Uh, Try it. It, it, it. Or when you go to bed, three things you're grateful for that happened today. Clearly, number one is watching this or listening to this. 
What about creative stuff you like? Or music. Music is, uh, I love music is my thing. Like uh, uh, there's nothing I like more than being in the car by myself listening to music for like feeling good. I love it. You've got to have your self-advocacy at some level during burnout. And I know it's hard. Find ways to communicate your needs to your employers, your educators, your support networks, your friends, your family for those you know, necessary accommodations. Find activities that promote sensory integration and regulation. Do you know what I'm saying? It's putting them both together. Tactile experiences. Maybe you do them or maybe someone else does them. You know, like deep pressure stuff. Helping you navigate out of autistic burnout. Learn and practice stress management techniques. Have you heard of progressive muscle relaxation, guided imagery, or cognitive restructuring? No, either have I. Develop a plan for ongoing self-care and stress management to prevent future burnout. So regular breaks, setting boundaries, practicing effective coping strategies. Engage in activities that promote sensory grounding and regulation. Sensory activities. Aromatherapy is an example, or sensory walks, or you know, deep pressure stuff. Practice gentle and mindful movement activities. Some people like yoga, or Pilates, or stretching, or Russell, Russell, <laughs> release tension and promote relaxation things. Right? Seek opportunities for social connection. Understanding supportive individuals, your tribe, who can provide you with a safe, accepting environment to help you out of burnout. There might be things, supports you can use. Practice effective type management techniques, right? Again, as it makes basic sense, the things that are overwhelming you in burnout, try to find ways to break them down into smaller, more manageable, less overwhelming components and parts and steps. Set realistic boundaries. Put limits on your commitments, my friends. You have to prevent further overextending yourself. Just have to. How am I, you think, okay, well, what am I doing that's putting more pressure on myself? How am I overextending myself in burnout? Uh, I usually do this thing, but maybe I should consider not doing this thing I usually do because it's just too much for me. Yes, you should. Don't maintain your regular life. You're in burnout, mate. Do you want to get back out? And then when you're back out, stop overextending yourself in the first place, for goodness sakes. Now, online stuff might work for you, might not. I'm just saying, another example of how to navigate out. Can you find a community? Support groups, online communities. You know, because they provide you, oh, I, I can validate that experience, right? Validation and support and understanding, shared experiences, it's a good thing. What helps you with your self-expression, your creative outlet? Is it art? Is it writing? Is it music? Recording stuff, whatever it is. How do you process your emotions and experiences? Try and engage in those types of fun activities, I reckon. Advocate for yourself. By communicating your needs, your accommodations, your preferences in all aspects of your life. My friends, these are ways you can navigate yourself out of autistic burnout. So, wow, what a video podcast that one was. What it is, what causes it, what it feels like, how to avoid it, how to navigate out of it. I reckon I've done enough work for today. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. I appreciate your time, my friends. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening and watching this podcast. If you did, you can share it with people. Until my next video podcast, I really do appreciate your support. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and we'll talk soon. 
You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.